0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Equalizer podcast. I am your host, Claire Watkins. This week, we are going to talk all things Champions League and then a little bit of extra U.S. Women's National Team chat afterwards. I am joined this week by Equalizer contributor Pardeep Katri. How's it going, Pardeep? I'm doing well, Claire. You? Not too bad. Not too bad. We were just talking before, before we uh, hopped on about how we're, we're kind of limping into spring weather in uh in both relative parts of our country so uh um it's uh, we're getting there we're getting there springtime is is upon us so speaking of things that happened in the springtime we had the first leg of the uefa women's champions league quarterfinals uh the teams that played each other it was uh Bayern munich versus fc rosengard barcelona versus manchester city chelsea versus Wolfsburg, and psg versus Lyon. i'm just going to start with The Bayern versus Rosengard game, because neither of us got to see a ton of this match, but it also was perhaps the most, uh, well, not necessarily the least competitive, um, but Bayern scores in the ninth minute. They get that early goal. They outshoot FC Rosengard 14 to 4. They outshoot, they outpass, they outpossess. It was a pretty comprehensive victory for Bayern Munich. Um, Rosengard was one of the teams that struggled a little bit. In the round of 16 so this doesn't shock me a ton I just think that it's possible that they have hit hit their ceiling um for for what they can do in the Champions League this year any thoughts on that match party
1: yeah um you you said it nicer than I I would have just said it was the most straightforward and predictable match of the uh well actually maybe not the most predictable but we'll get to that later yeah uh, <laughs> but yeah I mean you make a good point I think Rosengard hit their ceiling um, I mean, looking at the draw, it, I'm not surprised Bayern won. I'm not sure how much further they'll go because they have to play winner of Chelsea or Wolfsburg after. But, you know, congratulations to Bayern on that win. You obviously got the work done. So, congratulations on that. Yeah. Wow, that sounded awfully condescending. <laughs> sorry, Bayern. Sorry. Our apologies. Our I'm apologies sorry. to
0: Bayern Munich. Really? yeah i agree i i mean no i'm with you i'm with you i think that i think that them getting to uh them getting out of the quarterfinals is is a job well done job well done for them um all right so let's move on to maybe one of the more surprising results maybe not one of the more surprising results i don't really know we're gonna get into it barcelona beats manchester city three to nil um and after I had said such nice things about the FAWSL last week, you they, it. I did. They showed up at Champions League and they really struggled. Um, did you find this result surprising? I would say on my end, I never know with with a, with a team like Barcelona. They are clearly very, very good. They're you know they're annihilating La Liga. They are um, absolutely the best team in Spain. But I don't know what that looks like until they move into these latter stages of the Champions League when they come up against other great European teams. They showed up and they balled out against City. So uh, I was going to say, so did this result surprise you?
1: I mean, I think it surprised me in the way that I didn't expect Manchester City to lose 3-0. I mean, thinking about Barcelona, right? They were on the cusp of making it to the final last year. So I think we're seeing this sort of I mean, it's probably like a newish trend, a newish era for them where obviously they're dominating in Spain, but now they can really show off how good they are against the rest of the continent. And honestly, they they did a really good job against Manchester City. That's a team that I think, I mean, even if there was a chance they would lose, I don't think people expected them to get outplayed, which I think they were a little bit, I think there were a lot of really great individual performances as well for, um, um, Barcelona, obviously their goalkeeper made a, uh, save on a penalty. So, and that game, it's not like city lacked for chances, especially early on before Barcelona ended up scoring their first goal. But like I said, goalkeeper Sandra Pagnes put in a great performance and I mean, Barcelona on the other end really, really earned it.
0: Mm -hmm. And so maybe on the flip side, right, we, uh, we're seeing Barcelona show their quality on, on this larger stage. We'll get, we'll get to Chelsea versus Wolfsburg. Um, does this, I think this was perhaps the WSL's opportunity to kind of show their might a little bit more in Champions League this year. Um, they obviously, both teams, both Chelsea and City, um, had some offseason acquisitions to bulk up their squads. Uh, They want to show that this, this idea, this best league in the world. uh, We have some of the best teams in the world. These quarterfinal performances didn't necessarily back that up against some other good teams. Um, Do you think that this is a little bit of a wake up call for the WSL on what they still need to improve on?
1: Maybe. I mean, right now I'm looking at this as a very, I mean, maybe I'm just going to, make it a smaller thing and talk about city specifically. Sure. I still think, look, if you're going to expect one team to maybe overcome a deficit like that, I still think city are capable of it. I don't think that necessarily means they will. I don't think they have a high probability of that, but I don't know. To me, it's more like there are a lot of things different teams around the world can do, But it's really just, to me, very fun to watch this really, really unstable balance of who is at the top or who's rising in women's soccer. I mean, everybody's trying to compete to be the best, but the really fun thing is that it is not clear at all who is the best, except maybe Leon, but again, we can talk about that in a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think it's really fun to watch that it's not clear. I think it's cool that Barcelona is now showing up on the scene and can uh, beat City three and nil really convincingly. Yeah. I think, it, I mean, Wolfsburg and Chelsea. Obviously, Chelsea ended up winning that match, but uh, and Wolfsburg have been, you know, there in the women's soccer wor- in, in the women's soccer world and in the Champions League specifically. They've been, you know, one of the top teams for a while, mm-hmm. but like the balance might be shifting, but it's not shifting so quickly yet. Sure. And yeah. that, like I just keep saying, it's really, really fun to watch the topsy-turvy nature of that.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I also agree that I hope, you know, I don't, I have no, I have no horse in this race, but I would hope that city makes it, makes it a, a competition in, in the second leg. Um, yeah. I think that would be very fun. Um, okay. No this pressure. Is, I know. Right. No <laughs> pressure at all. Uh, but i'm gonna keep bringing this up because i don't understand it maybe you can explain it to me you are losing at this point to nothing right in in the quarterfinal of the champions league to barcelona you do not bring rose lavelle on until the 70th minute (laughs) why
1: this is like the biggest conundrum in the entire (laughs) time rose uh, like like Manchester City seems like like a well-oiled machine everything seems like smooth and normal and then it's like the whole Rose Lavelle thing right. like she plays selectively she doesn't come on until later in this match I think that's probably a really big mistake I'm not gonna say you know maybe Rose Lavelle shouldn't be should or shouldn't be playing all the time she shouldn't be starting whatever I, but we can Gareth Taylor I'm sure has a defense for that so I mean, whether or not we agree with it, it's different. But really, we know that she's capable of doing things. Right. We know that she's capable of getting her, of creating goals, scoring them, really just boosting her team in the attack. So the fact that you're down and you know that you're down and there's still a lot of game to play and you, what, they only gave her 20 minutes? Yep. It's not like they didn't give her, it's not like she didn't have, Any time, but
0: but they also but they also brought her on and did not put her in her best position again. Yeah, they they brought her on and had her play wide.
1: Yeah, man, that is these are choices. They are choices.
0: They are choices. That's exactly (laughs) right.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, I still believe if anybody's capable of scoring three goals on a given day, it's Manchester City. Yeah, but they've really dug themselves into quite a hole, and they. And I'm not sure they'll overcome it. And I think they'll have a lot to look back on. And maybe that decision to only give Roosevelt 20 minutes in a position that is not naturally hers is one of those things that they can look back on and say, maybe we should have done something differently.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. No matter what, uh, whoever comes out of this, this part of the tie, I uh, it's going to be, I think that that side of the semifinal is going to be a banger. The winner of of Barcelona city and the winner of PSG Lyon. That's going to be a great game. Uh, Okay. So moving on to Chelsea and Wolfsburg. Now this game was awesome. First of all, this is like exactly what you want out of a champions league match. Did the wrong team win?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Did The wrong team win. I mean, yeah, maybe
0: that's the wrong word. Did, uh, did maybe Chelsea, did Chelsea maybe sneak one here is maybe, yeah,
1: they definitely did look the second goal that they scored. Wolfsburg gifted it to them. That yeah. match was p- relatively even for a lot of it, but they that second goal was a gift. That was like that. it really was. I, there's no other way to describe it. Um, obviously, Sam Kerr and friend Kirby have been on a tear. Yep. <laughs> um, they also combined for two goals this weekend. So they did,
0: yep, yep, just
1: yeah. earlier today, yeah, yep. So it's not like Chelsea couldn't beat Wolfsburg. It's not like they're not good enough for it. But Wolfsburg made an error that look they still can make up for in that second leg.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I do think I do think that Wolfsburg getting getting the the one goal back was huge. Yes, um, it didn't necessarily uh, salvage the day, but but maybe a little bit closer to to what we saw on the field. I mean, I thought that that game could have been three two to either side you know yeah um Wolfsburg outshot Chelsea comprehensively they just could not turn it into that payoff um I thought that Emma Hayes's formational choices were interesting that's um, what
1: made this game so great
0: <laughs> yeah she it's like a 4-2-4 four, four. it was so attacking just 100% attacking football and it was it was great. Yeah. I loved it. I said before that I think the Chelsea project is very fun. Um, and I thought that this showed out of all of these games, this showed what the potential for this competition is as all of these teams improve as they get invested in more. Um, so yeah. Any final, any final thoughts on Chelsea Wolfsburg?
1: Um, I think the second leg is look, if it's even a fraction of what the first leg was, we're in for a great game. and just to bounce off of your point about how this tournament is just getting better look this series of games was honestly pretty lovely overall it was Mm -hmm. great yeah and yeah who doesn't love that i mean we're just starving for competition over here just because like i mean just because we're missing nwsl i
0: know i i was watching these and i was like oh gosh i'm so ready for nwsl to come back (laughs)
1: I know it really got me excited to be like, okay, there's going to be a period, of, a period of time where they're going to be really competitive games in Europe, and they're going to be competitive games here. Mm-hmm. It's exactly. going to be fun. It's, it's going to be, going
0: to be, be great. fun. So actually, Chelsea was at home, though they played it at a neutral site. Chelsea was the home team, so Wolves were getting that, getting that away goal could actually make the second leg very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, so now moving on to a game. That was less exciting, I would say, Claire uh, described
1: it off air as what Leone being so bored.
0: yeah, they looked they looked <laughs> bored. um Leon is having a weird year uh they are a team that their cycle of their core roster is probably nearing its end in terms of peak competitiveness, though they are extending a lot of those players. They might not agree with me on that um. but they still won (laughs) they still won the game uh and it's it was it was interesting to watch because leon did not look when they when they're attacking at this point they don't necessarily look like they have a ton of ideas um but their individual quality and their quality of a team as a team is so great that they're still difficult to beat even when they don't look like they are fully engaged um very annoying yeah it's i have well for psg it had to be infuriating first of all that they weren't able to make a breakthrough on their own and then they get through this game you really think that it's going to end in a nil nil draw which is not the worst right for for psg Mm -hmm. there is a handball call on formiga of all people (laughs) uh and i don't know if you i don't know if you saw this party but that was a questionable decision i think
1: Yeah. I, I went looking for it and I have to agree. It, it's a call.
0: It was definitely a call. I, there were multiple things. Thing number one, it was a ball coming from her teammate. It was coming from a fellow defender. So she was not getting in the way of any sort of attacking play. She actually accidentally blocked a clearance, um, It didn't necessarily actually hit her arm. It looked like she really was just trying to get it on the top of her shoulder. Um, And also, it's unclear if it was even in the box. So (laughs) there were a number of things, you know, I'm not sure. I'm like all in on VAR for the women's game. But for that one, you're like, roll the tape. Let's watch that one again. Oh, Um, for sure. So Leon gets a penalty and uh, Wendy Renard doesn't miss those. And they went up one nil and they won that game. Um, And that was Leon away. So Leon is up by one and is an away goal. Um, So that does, it's so funny because it's one goal, right? One away Mm -hmm. goal, but it feels insurmountable maybe for PSG in the second leg.
1: Right. It's just, I mean, These games for Lyon are getting tighter. You did mention that their core squad that has gotten them so much is getting older. Maybe that's part of it, but look, they still always find a way. Yeah, it's really it's remarkable. I mean, it's also annoying if you're looking for more competition. And I mean, we I think. We we keep seeing signs, of maybe we keep well. At least me, I don't know. I keep putting in my head that maybe the end is near for Leon. Maybe, but then I, I tell myself at a certain point, is it, don't count on it yet. Just just wait for it to happen. Right, right now, I still think it's there. The, this tie is theirs to win. I think this uh, this title is still theirs to win. It's. I can imagine it's hard for the higher ups at Lyon to be like, okay, let's do a lot of squad turnover because they still get the results, Right. even though maybe the fact that it keeps getting tighter should be like causing alarm bells to go off. There, I don't know. Um. But yeah, yeah, I, it it just might be out of reach for PSG, but it's a, it's a it's still close. Yeah, still close. Um.
0: Yeah, and I thought you know I thought. That P, you know PSG had some they had some good moments and I think that if they come in with a little bit more tactical focus and put that starting 11 together um, that can compete, I think that they do have a shot. I thought Marie Antoinette Cototo was fabulous in this game despite you know not getting a goal or an assist. I think she was everywhere. Um, yeah, I, the question that I have is, I think it's possible that this is not Leon's year to win Champions League but I'm not sure it's going to be PSG that, that gets the job done. Um, right. And so I think that it's kind of that, that push and that pull, but for PSG, you know, they, they're so close to winning. They want to win the French league. They have the, you know, they have the uh, opportunity to do that. They have this opportunity against Lyon and champions league. It feels like it would be losing, losing kind of a golden opportunity to let that slip away. So we'll see what happens in the next leg. Um, so that is all of our Women's Champions League results. Um, the second half, the second legs, will be happening this week. So we'll probably discuss any final, if anything wacky happens, we'll be discussing these Here's final hoping. results next week. Um, but hopefully, hopefully not. Hopefully, it'll be another uh, round of great games, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see who's in the semifinals next time. So, with our focus on Europe here, uh, we're going to take a little break and then we are going to be looking, well, not necessarily away from Europe because the U.S. is going there, but we're going to look stateside a little bit and talk about the U.S. women's national team.
2: Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Equalizer podcast. We'll be right back to that in a minute, but just want to make sure that you're aware of our other podcast from the Equalizer Network, Kicking Back. It's one that I host, and each week we talk to personalities from across the sport of women's soccer, coaches, players, executives, plenty of great guests throughout season one from U.S. coaches, Vlatko Anonofsky, Jill Ellis, to players like Crystal Dunn, Becky Sauerbrunn. NWSL commissioner, Lisa Baird, so many great guests. And we're coming up on season two pretty soon, and you are not going to want to miss what we have in store for you. So go ahead and check out Kicking Back. If you're listening on a podcast platform right now, you can find us there as well. We're on all the podcast platforms, and we're looking forward to another exciting season of really in-depth interviews and fun interviews with our latest guests. That's it for me, and let's get you back to the Equalizer podcast.
0: we're back this is part two of this week's edition of the equalizer podcast before we keep going once again must ask you beg you plead with you rate and review the podcast on whatever streaming service you use say nice things it helps people find us helps people find all that great women's soccer content um, and we would really appreciate it we love it when people say nice things about us so breaking news we were going to talk about the u.s which we will do in a second but um the a the, uh, end, yeah. <laughs> the nwsl twitter account has been doing some uh i think we call it vague tweeting some tease tweeting uh over the last couple of days the first one is they said stay tuned 3 30 21 a graphic that says changing the game changing the game march 30th 11 a.m eastern time and we were speculating what that might mean I said, you know, changing the game to me sounds a little bit like brand speak. I don't know if, if this is a sponsorship thing. Uh, people were speculating maybe schedule. I don't know, Pardeep, what do you think? What What's changing the game?
1: <laughs> well, dropping a schedule is not changing the game unless their schedule is warped. I mean, <laughs> which it might be. I don't know. I have no idea what this is.
0: <laughs> like, no idea. Like I, I mean,
1: I guess like, Normally it could sound like some broadcasting deal, but the NWSL already has a broadcasting deal. So unless they've right. got, maybe they got some really weird extra broadcasting. I don't know. Maybe they're broadcasting on TikTok. I don't know.
0: Right. But, something, uh, some new, some new partnership. Uh, yeah. The yeah. changing the game thing is funny because that's a big statement to make. Um, so I'm, I'm prepared. I'm prepared to just kind of be like, oh, when they announce whatever that is. But just 20 minutes ago, as of this recording, this is while we were talking champions league, they dropped another one. And this one says, it's handshake emoji, handshake emoji, handshake emoji, 3.29.21. So that's uh, Monday, uh, which will be when this episode is released, at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And then they have two pictures, one of which is a stock photo of uh, (laughs) some sort of eh, lines across the country, we'll say. Some sort of uh, uh, connection. Um, So I wouldn't read too much into the locations of these connections because it uh they did pick up this photo it is a stock photo but then the other really bizarre right (laughs) and then the other photo is of Alyssa nair zoe gorowski and ashley sanchez it looks like sanchez maybe is doing it was a shot of some kind nair is moving in for the save um i feel like the nwsl is dropping like hieroglyphics that we must uh that we must determine what these things are um this one seems like it could maybe be a regular season schedule because they're theoretically going all over the country in the regular season um
1: imagine using a stock image for that
0: yeah i, I don't know i i'm very i'm i would be confused with just the stock photo but i'm like doubly confused with this game shot whether right. i What's the significance of of these players, of these teams, of what's happening here? Right. Like
1: I was trying, I, I was trying to reason with the stock image before I realized it was a stock image. And then I was like, oh, I think I cracked the code, but then I realized one, it's a stock image. And two, um, this picture of Alyssa Nair and Zoe Goralski and Ashley Sanchez, I don't understand. Ashley Sanchez looks like she's missing the goal as well. So it's not even like, oh, look, cool. We have players who score goals but more like we have a player who isn't going to score a goal. We have another player who is not going to be able to make the save, but won't have to. And a third player who also, I have no idea is actually going to stop this play whatsoever.
0: Right. Yeah. No, I don't think that was going to be a goal. I think that's hitting the, Oh, it's hitting the post. Oh, Why are we hitting the post? Okay. Maybe this is, maybe this is a breakthrough. Okay. It's hitting the post.
1: Okay. What does hitting that mean? The post. And again, this stock image of different cross country travel paths. Like, like how who's coming? Who's going to Oklahoma? There's somebody going to Oklahoma from Idaho. I don't know what that means. Mm. And then,
0: then it, it says it says the it says then the, they've they've threaded the tweet and it says turn those post notifications on. It's going to be a big week. So. Is this about posting? (laughs) Where are they posting?
1: (laughs) And Sky Blue replied with the gift from the office. Oh my God. Okay, Okay, it's it's happening. happening. What do they know?
0: Interesting.
1: I don't... Look, look. There's probably not going to be a lot of time in between the drop of this podcast and the drop of this news. But please, if anybody has theories, please share them. I would love to hear them. I'm very confused.
0: Yes. So we'll see. Something about posting. Uh, But yeah, fun fact is that all of this speculation doesn't really matter because by the time this comes out, you will probably know. So congrats to everybody listening to this for being in the future. Uh, We hope to join you there soon. Um, So yeah, (laughs) anyway, (laughs) let's get into some stuff that we do know about. Uh, The U.S. Women's National Team dropped their roster for their two friendlies, their two April friendlies, first week of April. They are going to play Sweden and they are going to play France. They are going over to Europe to do that. Um, I have the full roster here. Goalkeepers. We have Jane Campbell, Casey Murphy, and Alyssa Nair. Defenders, Alana Cook, Abby Dahlkemper, Tierna Davidson, Crystal Dunn, Kelly O'Hara, Midge Purse, Becky Sauerbrunn, Emily Sonnet. Our midfielders are Julie Ertz, Lindsay Horan, Roosevelt, Katarina Macario, Christy Mewis, and Sam Mewis. And then our forwards, Carly Lloyd, Alex Morgan, Kristen Press, Megan Rapinoe, Sophia Smith, and Lynn Williams. Uh, Some names not on there that were specifically noted by Vladko Andonofsky as being injuries were um, probably the main one is Tobin Heath. She's still dealing with an ankle injury, though it seems like she's been doing some light training with Manchester United this week. So she's on her road back. Um, I think he also mentioned that Casey Kruger is dealing with a knock and Mallory Pugh is also dealing with uh, coming back from whatever it was that pulled her out of camp i think at the end of of 2020 uh so not a lot of new information here right um alana cook is back in i think that's probably because they're going to be over in europe she doesn't have to deal with those specific restrictions uh that she was that held her out of the she believes cup Um,
1: all i'm saying is i don't blame psg for not wanting alana cook to go to florida
0: I, I am with you 100% with you 100% there. Um, so maybe my first question. And the main question is, does this roster matter? Do you think um, Andonovsky has been pretty clear, you know, he keeps saying it's not finalized. We have a lot of people still in consideration. I know people are wondering about Ashlyn Harris and Ally Krieger. Does this mean that they're out? He's kind of like, nobody's out. Nobody's in um, it's all just ongoing evaluation. Uh, but they're about to take a big break. They have these friendlies at the beginning of April, and then there's going to be quite a bit of league play. And then I believe they are trying to schedule a tournament of nations uh, for right before the Olympics, before they go to Tokyo. Um, So I guess, yeah. First question, how much do you think this roster matters in terms of Olympic chances for these players?
1: I think, well, I think, I mean, for starters, the roster itself, La- uh, lacks for surprises right so i think this is this is probably i mean i know vlatko and said that you know this isn't necessarily the group that will make up the 18 employers which to be fair tobin heath isn't in this group
0: right
1: so there's that i think he'd also like to allow himself the flexibility of you know not locking into something three months before the olympics or four whatever math mm-hmm. um <laughs> uh and, I mean, it's also smart to just be like, hey, you technically can still play yourself into this team. But, look, I think we're not going to get a lot of surprises. That's my guess. And I think the one thing to look out for, for uh, during these games is to see who gets the playing time. Because I have to imagine if there isn't... At this point, there are not going to be a ton of matches for them to prepare uh, for the Olympics. I have to imagine he'll want to make some choices as to who his preferred players are you know anywhere on the field there are obviously a couple of people will definitely expect to be playing definitely expect to be on the olympic roster but there's still i think a lot up for grabs and we might get some answers on that i'm hoping anyway
0: agreed i think that probably right the headline for for these friendlies is who they're playing playing sweden and playing france france will not be in the olympics um but they are two very good teams it'll be similar to some of the competition they'll be dealing with um i still think and we'll we'll talk about this obviously when the games happen you know these nwsl players are still in preseason. uh the european players were, are, are mid-season so there's going to be some form differences though i think that the u.s will be better simply by way of having been in nwsl preseason for about a month um, right or more than a month now that's time how does it work um <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's just the same questions that we're going to have until the roster is is announced, where you have six forwards here, right? Um, replace Smith with Heath, probably. Mm-hmm. And then you just even ask yourself, does anybody get cut from this list? Do they take six forwards or do they not? And if there is a cut, who is that? Um, similarly with the, the defenders, right? If they take six forwards, that's probably... Um, coming from the defender line i think i know who the six defenders are that would be going to to the olympics but if that number turns into five i'm still not sure who gets cut there right and then in the midfield i think you have very entrenched players and then you have two players who are maybe fighting for one spot which is macario and christy Mewis, um barring injury right And Mm -hmm. so if we're looking for players who are kind of on these lines, I would say I would love to see Tierna Davidson get significant time. I think if they're flirting with the idea of not taking Ashlyn Harris, I think they need to get maybe someone like Jane Campbell, a full game against top competition. Um, And then Macario and Mewis, I want to see, I want to see what they can do either together or in a system With some of these other can you know, very established starters, I think is where I'm at with this.
1: Yeah, there's an uh one more player that I'm very curious about, and Alana Cook. Of the outfield players, she has the least caps on this roster, I believe. And obviously some of that isn't her fault. Again, PSG didn't want to send her to Florida. I get that. Uh but uh I'm wondering if there is a chance for her on this roster or if she's just run out of game time and that I'm curious about. I I wonder if I mean I my instinct is that Vlado Andonovsky will probably opt for folks with a little bit more experience.
2: Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think
1: if Alana Cook has a chance, she's going to play these two games. Uh, yeah. And if she does, and if she doesn't play, I don't think she's got a chance.
0: Yeah, I think that's. A, I think you're right. I think you're exactly right about that. And I think that that is an interesting conversation where. um Cook, I think, you know, obviously Cook and Davidson are considered very reliable backups at this point for that center back uh, position. Um, Yeah. And when Becky Sauerbrunn no longer plays for the U.S. Women's National Team, they will be ready to compete for that starting role um, with Abby Dahlkemper. But right now, Becky Sauerbrunn does still play for the U.S. And so I think probably the U.S. takes three center backs but probably not four and what and cook is someone who we haven't seen that idea of that versatility right davidson has played outside for the u.s before emily sonnet obviously is getting some looks on the outside um i think cook is very reliable i think that you're right that she is a player that is going to need to get more playing time if it's going to happen for this tournament and also just for the future cook is is uh is a player that is eligible to eligible to also play for England. And right. so when Andonovski became the head coach, he brought her in immediately, which I think it, you're playing that game of not right now, but we want you to know that we have a commitment to you as a player and we want you to play for us. And so uh, I think that they have to manage that as well. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how that goes um, as the year progresses, because 18 is just not a large number. And the U.S. has a lot of very good players circling circling this roster.
1: Yeah, I don't think it'll be anything personal if a bunch of them don't make it. But uh, right with Alana Cook, you're going to have to play that game of, that, of making sure she uh, feels valued. And I think for the most part, Vlatko Andonovski is doing a good job there.
0: Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, and so well, you know, we'll see how the games go. Uh, but not a ton of surprises on this roster. We're starting to see things firm up a little bit, but definitely still some question marks. And just the God's honest truth is that there's going to be some broken hearts once this uh, yeah. roster gets finalized, because that is how it goes with the best team in the world. Uh, but in some lighter news, uh, we had something very cool happen this week that is U.S. Women's National Team related, but not in terms of games. Uh, Midge Purse and Megan Rapino actually went to the White House this week to speak on equal pay day and it was a there were two different events that happened uh, rapino spoke in in front of a congressional committee um, and actually had to answer some weirdly pointed questions uh, and then she and purse they took a tour of the white house they saw the press briefing room they got you know there was some social media content there and then they did actually meet uh with the president and the first lady to give uh to give a little speech to talk about equal pay and bring basically that lawsuit that conversation about the u.s women's national team not being valued by their federation to the forefront and i don't think it really gets higher profile than uh, meeting the literal president of the united states um but before we kind of talk about this i do want to i pulled this up and shout out to sky blue for actually transcribing this whole thing i do actually want to read what midge purse said at the white house she gave the opening remarks And she introduced uh, the First Lady. And I thought what she said was great. And so I'm just going to read that real quick. So what Perth said, she said, good afternoon. It is wonderful to be here on a day as important as this, a day dedicated to raising the awareness of national pay inequity. Over the past few decades, we have witnessed women progress in the workforce, displaying excellence, commitment, and resilience across industries. We have seen women rise to be champions for change and pioneers of thought all while wrestling with systems that have been unable to upgrade at the same pace as them. Brava, ladies. The strength of unequal pay rests on the notion of unequal value. It is an issue of equity. When men began sports leagues, they were supported by billions in taxpayer subsidies. They were prioritized in media and afforded time to grow. The investment was incredible, and then the return was incredible. I have watched and joined a league of women who are remarkable at their craft. And together, we have asked for the same grace that was given to men in the formative years of their leagues, true investment. I have spoken of equal pay in formal settings such as this and in informal exchanges, and often I am resisted with the declarations like, there are just not enough people interested in women's sports. My response to that is, you would never expect a flower to bloom without water, but women in sport who have been denied water, sunlight, and soil are still expected to blossom. So invest in women, then let's talk when you see the return. I want to thank the U.S. Women's National Team for being an emblem of hope, voice of reason, and force for change. Mr. President and Madam Vice President, thank you for your commitment and attention to advancing economic security of women. We look forward to working alongside you. I thought this was great. I thought that this I was agree. a great
1: statement. I 100% agree. I 100% I, agree. That quote about uh, you would never expect a flower to bloom without uh water i thought that was i thought that was remarkable so credit to midge purse who i think none of us i mean i think we all expect her to be able to do something like this mm-hmm. <laughs> but again like i said credit i think they i think she and Rupino they ended up on this maybe the biggest stage they could ever be on when it comes to making their point and i think they made it really really effectively uh, I think that's, I mean, they between Midge versus ar- uh, argument that you really can't expect a business, which women's soccer is, to prosper without investing in it, which is true for all businesses. And Megan Rapino's point that um, even though this team has accomplished l- almost, every- actually everything, they've won every trophy out there they still feel the impact of that inequality and if they can feel it of course there are other people feeling it like i yeah. said they they ended up on this huge stage they made their point effectively they continue to win i think the public side of this art of this um lawsuit i have look i mean the way you know social moods have trended over the last few years i think it's pretty evident that they would win this or, I mean, or it was pretty likely that in the eye of the public they would be the side you root for if you're picking sides. Right. I mean I think we've all I mean we've probably all run into people who are like oh yeah the US women's national team I know them because of this or I like them because of this. So you know like I said they continue to keep doing that. The question always is does u.s soccer really care
0: right so that is the the big question here is what does all of this mean right because i agree i think that both purse and Rapino did a fabulous job i thought that megan Rapino did a very good job of answering um some questions intended to derail her um i thought she did a very good job of advocating for the trans community and advocating for her trans teammate um I thought that Midge did a fabulous job of bringing the league into this, right? They were invited as members of the U S women's national team, but Midge purse is a product of the NWSL. Um, and that was evident in that statement. And so I think that, yeah, I think that every time they are given the opportunity to advocate for themselves and for others, they do a really good job of that. Um, I don't know what it means when you have those two meeting with the president and he signed a little thing about, you know, supporting equal pay, but no one is making that happen. <laughs> um no one is is forcing that issue and it is still really the ball is in US soccer's uh it is on their field as we'll just keep it to soccer. But um the one other little piece of news that Dr. Jill Biden said uh, when she was giving her remarks was that Midge Purse is on the committee to negotiate the new collective bargaining agreement for the U.S., which that is going to be not a piece of season news, but definitely a piece of off-season news at the end of 2021, because that is when the CBA that they ratified in 2017 will expire. We could see some radical changes. It seems like they are, the the team is ready to ask or demand some very specific things and if this fight cannot be won in court they're probably going to try to do that in in the negotiating room and so powerful statements from the two of them um yeah any other thoughts on on the the equal pay deal white house trip anything like that
1: yeah i mean i think this whole i mean the whole event speaks to me of the evolution of Both this team in the public eye, but also their fight for equal pay. Because Megan Rapinoe and Midge Purse are examples or just two examples of, you know, maybe a team full of players who at the beginning were advocating solely for themselves. But as time went on, understood the weight of the issue and adjusted accordingly, you know, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that this team wasn't really on, I mean, it wasn't that long ago where you could, where seeing two members of the USWNT and two NWSL players uh, in the White House and being a really, I mean, like it was, there was a lot of news coverage of it. It was a pretty big deal, not just because anybody going to the White House is a relatively big deal. Sure. So, you know they have, the moment came to them, they have met the moment as well. And that I think is a really, really, it speaks a lot of also the time we're living in where athletes again are feeling empowered to be more than just really good at sports. Mm -hmm. And that to me is, I I just find that very fascinating to watch. I think it's, I think it's a wild, but ultimately positive, uh, cultural shift in this country and in other countries, but just to go back to us soccer, I know that, and I, I think I've probably said this before on this podcast, but I know that under new leadership, under new president, Cindy Parlo it's not that new anymore, but, and new CEO, Will Wilson, they've said nicer things in public. They haven't, I don't know, actively lobbied members of Congress for some reason. Mm-hmm. Well, I still don't know why U.S. Soccer did that in the past <laughs> to uh, make the equal pay argument or, to, to say that the, the Federation is doing what makes sense and that the players' are, uh, arguments doesn't make sense. Uh, we still don't really have a lot of proof that this that this new leadership group is not going to fight all the way to the end that they're that they have been doing the right thing i mean cindy Parlocone very recently argued that this or that the federation doesn't have the money to pay the players which is a common argument that leagues and federations use while collective bargaining agreements are being structured Right. So that that I think is always something worth paying attention to. This or the Federation has not yet proved one way or another, really, what they're interested in doing.
0: Right. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, yeah, and it, it definitely brings back shades of what happened in 2016, which they were actually out of contract for all of 2016, I think, um, and there were conversations of, will there be a work stoppage? And they said, you know, they said inequivocally no, right? But that was before a major tournament. That was before the Olympics. Negotiating a CBA after the, the major international tournament cycle has ended might be a little bit different. They might have a little bit more uh, leverage to say, I don't know if we want to play a bunch of friendlies next year. I don't know if I want to play in the NWSL. How do you make all of this worth it for me? Um, and U S soccer is going to have to decide what they want to do. I think you're right that the fear is that if they do an equal pay structure that they have with the men, the U S will max it out because they win all the time. (laughs) So there's a difference. They don't have to pay the men as much because they simply do not win so much. So we will see, we will see. Um, it's, it's exciting and it's scary. And I am definitely happy that the two women that went to the white house are the ones leading the way because I trust them. Okay. So that's that, uh, for this week's edition of the equalizer podcast, we'll have some NWSL preview stuff for you guys next week. In addition to talking champions league results. Uh, I am your host, Claire Watkins. Thank you so much, Pardeep. And once again, shout out to our producer extraordinaire, Jacqueline Purdy. Uh, and we'll see you guys next time.
1: Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.